This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. There's, there's a lot of little moving parts that we need to get to before we get to your social media tweets. Uh, a few things. Um, the Stadium Series press conference was today. Of course, the Devils will take on the Flyers in February, followed by the Rangers and the Islanders. And, and I hear a lot of conversation about, all right, it's, it's kind of over done now we had the heritage classic back on sunday between calgary and edmonton every year we have the winter classic and now they've sprinkled in the stadium series i i think people are looking at it the wrong way all right you can look at the ratings you can look at you know the general interest outside of the markets that are playing in it but if you look at the inside Think of the teams that get a chance to play outside that would never get a sniff at a Winter Classic. The Islanders, the Devils, uh, they would not ever even be considered for a Winter Classic. Um, Carolina, you go back to um, you know the Kings and the, the Ducks when they played at Dodger Stadium. Uh, it, it, the Nashville Predators are not going to get a sniff at a Winter Classic. And, and, and that's not to disrespect them. It's just you're going to go with the big markets. It's always going to be the original six. And even going to Toronto and Montreal here in the States is a little dicey, although you're able to do it with Toronto because of Austin Matthews and how good the team has been. Uh, and Otherwise, it's, it's a heavy dose of the original four, I guess, in the United States, and it's going to be the Flyers and it's going to be the Penguins, and it's going to be the Capitals and, and all that. But, but even that's starting to fray. And we'll get to Nicholas Backstrom in just a second, but uh, you know the Capitals haven't been good. The Penguins haven't been very good in recent you know vintage. So uh, you want to be able to expand it out, but you also want to give those markets a taste of what it's like. And for Devil fans and Islander fans to be able to go to MetLife Stadium, play outside. I saw it at Yankee Stadium when they did it, the stadium series back in 2014. It's just a cool thing for those markets to be able to go through. So it's not really about the national specter of it. It's leaning into your regional fandom and giving them a taste of what it's like. And, and then also with the stadium series in February, you know, it'll be after the Super Bowl. It's going to be in a major market. It's going to involve the Rangers and the Flyers in two separate games. So it's going to have a little bit of a buzz across the country, too. So I still like it. Um, and it's hard to believe, too. Uh, Amanda Stein, who covers the Devils, um, tweeted this out earlier that the, the first game will be the Devils and the Flyers. That'll be the 40th outdoor game, and then the Rangers and Islanders will be the 41st. So, yeah, in a way, it sounds like it's a lot of outdoor games, but when you think about how long we've been doing this, what was it since, God, I guess that first Sabre Penguin one was, what, uh, January of 08? You know, so you're really looking at a long time that we've been doing these things, and the stadium series has been going on now for, what, eight, nine years. So it does seem like a lot, but it's really not a lot. And now we've been able to expand to where other teams have been able to experience it and have some fun with it. Uh, but what really came from the press conference was something I, I kind of wanted to discuss. And I know we're talking to hockey fans here, so I think I'm going to be hearing a lot of people agreeing with me because I'm kind of playing – I'm playing to the room a little bit, and this could be a conversation that I would love to have with people that are not hockey fans or think that that hockey isn't expanding, it isn't getting better. Gary said something I thought was really interesting about the attendance. Now, we know the ratings have been up, and I think ESPN and TNT have done a good job. I know some fans are critical of the coverage, but I just think expanding your horizons beyond NBC was a great job by this sport to get people involved that maybe otherwise wouldn't go search for it elsewhere. But we're, we're, we're heading towards record attendance. 
from Gary. And that's really interesting to me when you consider what you're up against in the month of October. Usually this is when the sport somewhat struggles with attendance because in some markets where you like to play games on Saturday and Sunday, you're going up against football. You know, uh, especially in, in NFL football on Sundays, and just you, know, you got the World Series. Although the World Series doesn't have a ton of attention on it, but you did have the postseason baseball in October that expanded to a lot of other markets that was could be could be an issue too. Uh, and and yet it's still been hot because I think it is hot when you look at the number of goals that are being scored, um, the the innovation that we saw with the Frozen Frenzy last week, um, the Heritage Classic happening early in October. I, I think it's really. It's really shown that the sport is starting to find its niche here in the United States after so much time, where I think it's starting to catch up with the Joneses a little bit. I, you know, I hear people saying that the NBA doesn't have a lot of buzz around it here early in the season, um, but I feel like there's a lot of buzz around hockey, and I think people should lean into that. And if you're a hockey fan, be pretty proud of it. So the attendance has been outstanding, and, and that's also been helped by you know, New Jersey, is drawing fans now because there's excitement around New Jersey, and they've been close to, if not sold out, all their home games. Um, Florida has had expansion to their fan base, considering they made that run to the Stanley Cup final last year. So two also-rans when it would come to attendance, especially early in the season, and the Devils and the Panthers have seen that go up. So you know that's pretty important. Flyers that have been an also-ran the last couple of years off to a good start, and that's always a good fan base, get them hungry. Uh, Vegas now has become like a hotbed. Not only do they win the Stanley Cup, they've been to the playoffs every year but one of their existence, and then they're off to an 8-0-1 start. So these non-traditional hockey markets, these hockey markets that have always kind of lagged behind, got a bit of a jump start. So I, I thought that was interesting. Gary had talked and, and um, well, hasn't talked directly about it, but it has been bandied about. Bill Daly, the um, deputy commissioner of the National Hockey League, was asked about creating a neck guard after what happened in England last week with Johnson. And it seems like they're very receptive to it. So, you know, usually the players push back. They push back on helmets back in the day, visors back in the day. But when you see something like what happened last week and the video came out on Monday, we talked about it on the podcast, and you see what that poor kid went through and those fans that were there and obviously uh, the individual that committed the act um, is probably going through right now. Um, obviously, you feel for him if it was unintentional and there should, he should be arrested if he was. Uh, it was intentional, but we're not going to get into that now. We talked, we touched on a little bit on Monday, and I can't get into intent, but that I think that we're receptive to it. And, you know, if you look back in sports history, um, the Hans device in NASCAR in auto racing was bantied about, and then when Dale Earnhardt Jr. died, it opened the door for the Hans device to finally be implemented to where now it's commonplace. A senior, of course, Dale Earnhardt Sr. Thank you, Anthony. Um, That his death um, back in 2000 kind of woke everybody up to that, and now it's commonplace, and, and it's probably saved a ton of lives since the Hans device has been developed. The the netting in the National Hockey League after the fan, Brittany Cecil, was killed by a puck from Espen Knudsen in Columbus. Um, 
nobody ever considered it or thought that it would be a bad thing to do if um, if you put the netting up and, and you would do less tickets, hard to see the ice, and then when, when somebody was dead, it bang, the nets went up you know, almost immediately after that. Um, and this incident takes place. Instead of the NHL waiting and saying, well, it's, it wouldn't happen on this level, it wouldn't happen in the NHL, our players are too skilled. No, 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 it can happen just as easily in the NHL. It's, it has happened in the NHL. The first one was Clint Malarchuk. Um, who was cut by a skate blade um, when he was playing for the Buffalo Sabres against the St. Louis Blues, and he would have bled out if he was on the other side of the ice. They've talked about that. They were able to get to him quicker because he was close to the Zamboni door where the, where the trainer was to be able to get him the help that he needed. If the Sabres were defending the other side of the ice, they would have not been able to get him to help in time because his jugular vein had been cut, and he would have bled out and died. You know, So we've seen it happen. You know, you saw most recently what happened to uh, the hand of Evander Kane. Uh, so these are these are weapons that are underneath the feet of these players, and they're sharp. They're sharp as all hell because you need to be able to keep your edge. So when those things are flying and, and you're seeing the physicality of the sport where it's not that crazy that you could leave your feet, it's not that crazy that you can get turned upside down, and now you have a weapon that is at neck level and can kill somebody, and it did. So I'm glad that the Players Association and the NHL are open to talk, talking about it. They'll have to convince players to do it. It probably won't be mandatory right away but because uh, there are some players who will feel that it obstructs their vision or be, being able to move their head. But just like the visor, can, it, it is going to become commonplace because of this. So you never want to like um, say that anything good happened from a death, but um, if there's any kind of positive you can find in that just sea of negatives what happened in England – is that maybe this will save lives in the future and it will not happen in the NHL. It will not happen where there's a lot more fans and a lot more exposure and on television and, and, and just see something as gruesome as that. So I'm glad that the NHL and the NHLPA are working to have that happen. It probably won't happen this year. It probably won't happen right away. But to be able to get the motion moving forward and hopefully – um, they'll be able to get it done before we see a tragedy here in the States and a tragedy happen in the National Hockey League. I woke up this morning to some um, you know, sad news from the Washington Capitals. Nicholas Backstrom issued a statement today saying, given my ongoing injury situation, I decided to take some time to step away from the game. This is a difficult decision, but one that I feel is right for my health at this time. I want to thank my teammates, the organization, the fans for their unwavering support throughout this process. I ask for privacy at this time as I determine my next step and viable options moving forward. He's 35 years old. He's got another couple of years left on his contract at like $9 million plus. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it, it, there's two things here. He's a great player. You hate to see him go, especially the state the Washington Capitals are in right now, but also just a, a great player that might be coming to a crossroads. We saw something similar last year with um, Jonathan Tabes going through what he went through. Um, Brian McLennan, the general manager of of the Capitals also issued a statement. We stand behind Nicholas and will support him throughout this process. We know firsthand how hard he has worked and how determined he is to get back to full health. Our organization stands full 
fully behind him while he takes this leave of absence from the team and takes time to evaluate his current health situation. Of course, the hip is the biggest thing for him. And you just think of just how dynamic that duo was when we bring up, uh, you know, Kane and Taves and you bring up Malkin and Crosby right in that sentence was Ovechkin and Backstrom and how they combined, especially how killer they were on the power play, you know, and it's coming to an end. It's winding down. Ovechkin's 38 years old now, and clearly he's got a lot still to give. But we are getting towards the end of that, and, and Nicholas Backstrom, 35, is going to step away from the game. So, you know, we don't know what his status is, but if you had to guess, you would think he's probably leaning towards, you know, deciding to retire. Crosby's getting up there, Malkin's getting up there, Patrick Kane's not even playing right now. It just, uh, but we're transitioning into a lot of other good young players that are coming into the league. But we're so spoiled in the National Hockey League over the last, uh, you know, 15 years or so of some of the greats that ever play in the game, and now we're seeing these. Uh, these careers come to an end. Joe Thornton announced his retirement after, what, 24 years in the league. And uh, what a great guy. I got to meet him when he was in San Jose. One of the really cool things, and that's why I love having EJ on every Monday, EJ Raddick, is when we did NHL Live on the NHL Network, it, it would be played in a lot of the rooms during morning skates. Uh, the show was on at noon Eastern time, so it was like right in the wheelhouse of the West Coast teams watching nhl live and they'd have the nhl network on our show was on um from from uh 10 to 10 to noon was was when the show like first started airing and so that was kind of like right when the players were starting to get to the arena and get ready for the skate because the home team always skates you know like around 10 like 10 30 so that would be right around when they would start getting ready for the for their um morning skate and you know i didn't know um, until one time when Jeremy Roenick was a shark, he called the show to complain about something I said about the sharks. And I'm like, wow, are, are players are players watching the show? And then I got to call a Ranger Shark game in San Jose. And when I walked into the room, uh, you know, Joe Thornton and um, uh, Ryan Clough. There was like a bunch of guys came up to me and like and like introduced themselves because they knew uh, that I did NHL live and it was like bro it was, it was, it was like a fun kind of cool humble uh, experience to to um to just like feel good about the people you know people were watching the show or whatever but Joe was like a really for a superstar and he was let, let's face it, he was a flat out star in San Jose um to be able to have have a conversation with him such a such a nice guy such a fun guy to talk to and you know finally getting to that Stanley Cup final in 2016 even though they lost to Pittsburgh to to finally get that exposure and you know that huge trade from Boston to San Jose and and then getting a chance to extend his career with the Panthers late and just a just a really great guy so congratulations on him uh, deciding to retire Patrick Marlowe uh, no longer in the league as well you talk about combinations Marlowe and, and Thornton in San Jose maybe not quite to the level of the Malkin and Crosby's and Kane and Taves and certainly not the titles but still great future Hall of Fame players played a ton of games played for a long time in the National Hockey League so so real cool stuff there um want to jump into uh a couple of uh the, the games we weren't weren't on on uh, Tuesday because we were on on Monday but what the Rangers accomplished on this road trip you just can't even almost put into words now again the five teams that they played seattle uh calgary edmonton vancouver and 
and Winnipeg, you know, they're not all world beaters, or that, although I think Vancouver is outstanding. I think Vancouver's a very good up-and-coming team, and I think they're going to be a playoff team this year for sure if they can keep Demko healthy. But to go out on a, on a trip that early in the season, and if you remember before they left, they got spanked by Nashville of all teams at the Garden. And when I say all teams, that's not a team known to score a ton of goals and beat beat the Rangers up pretty good. And you're like, oh, is this going to be a disastrous start to the season? Because now you're going to go out and win the five. And we talked about it on on the podcast. Like, what are you hoping for? Five points, maybe six points. You probably consider it a successful trip, considering how far it is. And a lot of game, long trip, too. Um, they left on that Friday after the Nashville game and, and, and it flew home the following Monday. You know, so it was a good 10, 11-day trip away from home. And to be able to win all five games and two of them in overtime and to come back from a third, uh, a one-goal deficit in the third period against Winnipeg, uh, it's pretty interesting to be able to win seven of your first nine games with seven of them on the road, new coach, new system, some new players in there. Uh, bringing in Gustafson, bringing in Wheeler, bringing in Benino. They're blocking shots. Uh, they're they're playing well defensively. The goaltending's been great. Jonathan Quick's won his two games that he started. Igor Sturkin's been great. They've been able to play well with only getting a couple of goals from uh, from uh, Mika Sabanajad, and, and both of those goals came in the last two games of that road trip in Vancouver and Winnipeg. So you got to feel pretty good if you're a Ranger fan where you stand right now. You hold your breath tomorrow when they come home to take on Carolina. Carolina's getting hot right now, and then that first game home after a long road trip, a little dicey. And, and then and then the schedule makers didn't do the Rangers any favors. Then it's back to Minnesota on Saturday, which is practically next to Winnipeg. <laughs> so you win Winnipeg, you, you fly home, you get a couple of days off, you play Carolina, and then bang, Saturday, you're in Minnesota. So it's kind of just a crazy schedule for them. But the Rangers are in first place. Devils are in third place. They've kind of overcome a slow start, now 5-2-1. and one. They're going to have to tighten it up. Um, just the goals are plenty, but they're, they're, they're a fun watch. They beat, beat Minnesota the other day, actually beat Minnesota, scored four goals and got zero points from Jack Hughes. Which is crazy. So, and, and the Islanders are four two and two again. Not a, not a tremendous start, and they did blow a lead against Detroit back on Monday, but did earn a point in overtime. So the locals here in the tri-state area are all being able to, to to keep themselves together. Florida, after a tough start, has played much better. So it's going to be wide open to make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. West, the same thing. Kings win last night over Toronto. Toronto's been, you know, they had that great start. Austin Matthews had the back-to-back hat tricks. But, you know, really since then, Toronto's been, um, uh, okay, still a playoff team at 5-3-1, and one, but... Uh, you know, only a plus two goal differential, but the Kings of five two and two spanked them last night. And I mentioned Vancouver. Pedersen gets the hat trick. The Canucks they they had that hiccup against the Rangers, but still earned a point six two and one to start the season. Plus fifteen goal differential. Terrific stuff. That that Pacific Division is going to be crazy with Vancouver with with, with Vegas off to a nine zero one start. They beat the the Montreal in overtime the other night. Kings have been good. It's going to be a wild uh, finish there. But right now, Vancouver and the Los Angeles Kings have a long way to go to catch up with Vegas that's off to the best start in the National Hockey League at 8-0-1. So uh, just a, a lot of a lot of fun outside of San Jose. We're talking about San Jose, the only team not to win a game, 0-8-1. I feel bad for, for Quinn. I'm, I, I like the guy. I thought he was he deserved to stay as head coach of the Rangers You know, way back when. We're already... 
two coaches removed from uh, from David Quinn being the head coach of the Rangers, but uh, they're just in a full-blown rebuild there in San Jose and still have yet to win a game so far uh, in, in the league. It's tough. Four games tonight, uh, 7 o'clock, Sabres at the Flyers. That should be fun. Flames and the Stars from Calgary at 8.30. Blues and the Avalanche. Avalanche got off to the 6-0-0 start and have gotten destroyed, shut out in the last two games. Coyotes and the Ducks. Ducks have been good. Frank Vitrano tied with Debrinket for the most goals in the NHL with nine. Pretty crazy. I liked him here with the Rangers. I thought he did a good job. Vitrano and Kopp, if you remember, came over two years ago at the trade deadline, helped the Rangers get to the conference final and almost beat Tampa. And I'm glad he's doing well uh, there in Anaheim. So uh, they, they're above 500. They're playing well. Had a big win the other day against Boston. So uh, it's 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 been a fun, wide-open, fun start to the season. I'm looking forward to it to, uh, to continue. Let's uh, dive into your tweets at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Let's go to AZ Rangers. Says, Don, how much do the Rangers put up with uh, Blake Wheeler and his zero points? I got to tell you, Dave Maloney doing the games with him, being around the people of the Rangers, they like how he's playing. You know, he's a third line player now. He's had some bad luck. He's hit some posts. Um, I think he had. Um, Anthony, I'm not mistaken. I think one of he definitely lost a point on one of those goals that were taken off the board because of an offside. So uh, the Cooley kick in for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That that was the one that the Cooley kick in. Um, so I know he's got no points, and that's how you judge. But you know, it's it's kind of a weird line where you've got Cooley who's got like no experience, and then you've got uh, Wheeler who's played like a thousand games in the National Hockey League, and like Trocheck right there in the middle. Uh, so I. I'm going to be patient with him. It was an emotional night the other night. Uh, the Rangers are flying. They're scoring goals. They're doing well. But as far as to answer your question, how long will they put up with it? You know, I guess they'll, they'll put up with it un, un, until they can figure something else out. I know that people think as we get deeper into the season here that Patrick Kane's going to become available and all that. But uh, I think they're going to be a little bit more patient than the fans are going to be. Uh, David Hines says, with the crack and slow start, a disturbing trend has been they score first early in games or jump to a good lead, but by the second and third, the offense vanishes and the lead dwindles in overtime or the close close loss is a poor scheming, coaching, execution, bad luck. Well, the goaltending has been very good, right? Um, uh, Grubauer has not done a great job there. I, I, last I checked, uh, um, he was like one win, no wins, and at least he had no wins going into the Ranger game. He didn't win that game. Um, you know, the Kraken are one of those teams that they're 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 not going to score a ton of goals. You know, and you know, and McCann's was their best player last year. He's off to a pretty decent start. But you're right, watching them, they've actually done a better job in than than in the past of scoring. But they they haven't done a great job of clamping it down. Um, not close enough, other than the game, the, the handful of games I've seen, and the one that I called against the Rangers to put a finger on who's to blame for it. But I, I have seen that trend as well. Uh, Brett says, uh, flew out to Calgary and Edmonton for the Ranger games last week. Love those cities. Been a few times. Would love to move to Calgary. Hey, look at that. Calgary's not bad. Cal- so I, I went when I went to Calgary, the la- um, I think it was the last time I was there, you know, the famous incident, Anthony, that we won't get into. The night before, I, when, I, when I flew in, I went out to dinner. And I was sitting at the bar watching games, and there was a guy that was, I don't know if he was, you know, worked for the um, the welcoming committee or he worked for the, the mayor's office or something, but he was, like, talking up Calgary. And 
Do you do you, I don't know if you know about this, Anthony, that that there are you have like sister cities. Like if you have a city then there you have a sister city, I think they call it, where there's a city that is like you okay. but somewhere else in the country or in the world. And it's considered your sister city. So what is Calgary's sister city? If you think about it, it makes sense. Would it have to be Edmonton? No. It's, I was it's thinking not Battle anywhere of Alberta. close. It, it, the, the sister city is Dallas, Texas. Huh. Because outside of the weather, which is a lot cooler than Dallas, it's Dallas. You know, because you see people with cowboy hats and the big belt buckles and the rodeo. It, it's, it's, it, they're similar cities except for the climate. Um, although Bob Wachusen told me about it and I experienced it for myself. The Chinook over the Canadian Mounties. So you could be sitting there and it could be 70 in Calgary. And then that Chinook comes over and it's 12. And then it blows back out and it's 70 degrees again. Very, very strange. But it's a, it's a, it's a fun city. If you're if you're big, uh, it's got a lot of cool casinos. It's it's just a night. I I enjoy Calgary. Edmonton's another store. I I, I like Edmonton because it's a hockey mad city and the people are great. But it's just flat. Calgary's got a little bit more personality to it. Anyway, um, he says that the Rangers' first ever five game road trip sweep. Love quick pro- uh, proving me wrong. I guess he didn't like quick when they signed him. Uh, Lafayette off to a good start. Kako no not so much Wheeler. Will Wheeler get going? I think Wheeler's going to get going. Kako's interesting, though, because he's playing on the top line and he hasn't been productive. And Zabanajad hasn't been productive. Kreider's got six goals, but most of them come on the power play. You would like to see more out of that first line, and I do think Kako will get there. I'm not. See, this is the great thing. I'm not being overly critical, but you figure that if Gallant was still here, he would have broken lines up already. All right, so even though they're winning, it's like, oh, you're not producing, get Kako off the line. I like the fact that they've the only changes that the um, besides goaltender that the Rangers have made through these first nine games is is changing out VC and Pitlick, and now VC's played the majority of the games because the Rangers have been winning. You're not going to mess with a winning streak. Um, I like the continuity that's there, but over time. You know, they're not going to be able to live with Wheeler not producing. They're not going to be able to live with Kako not producing. But I like that they you're allowing the chemistry to persist. And you can't get crazy about goals all the time. You want to be able to get crazy if you're not getting opportunities. And I think the opportunities are there. Joe asks, are the Rangers for real uh, in relation to what? Winning the Stanley Cup? Uh, sustaining a, a, an 800 winning percentage? No. But as far as being a team that I think will be better than last year, a team that may be more equipped to have success in the postseason this year, yes, I think they're for real. Uh, JJ says, hey, Don, JJ from North Carolina. I couldn't uh, wait to talk to you guys yesterday on the show when I was on hold, but I never got through. And I wanted to ask you what you think of the Blackhawks rebuild and when do you think you can compete for a playoff or for the Cup? Now, Anthony, as you are the call screener, I and I didn't see the call up. I, Michael probably didn't go to it because he's probably not going to go to a Blackhawk call. Do you recall this at all? Uh, I don't remember JJ mentioning the Blackhawks. Okay, but he was on hold. I guess he was going to throw it in. Maybe he was going to talk about it. He was on hold. Um, oh, okay. It could be okay. my mistake. But I know, no, you know so, JJ no, North Carolina. Uh, he's on call screen whenever, a lot. Uh, listen, his name's on the show. Every mistake on the Michael K show is Michael's fault. Wow. Because his name's on the show, 
right? His name's on it. So who else is to blame? So if he doesn't take a call, it's his fault. If the call drops, it's his fault. That's the way I look at it. I don't know if anybody else does. Anyway, listen, it's a long rebuild. Let's see what happens with Connor Bedard. You know, they, they've, they've gotten younger. they got to hold on to these players. But when you take a look at that Western Conference, now I think they're in the right division because in the Central Division, you do have a few teams that are kind of in a similar spot to uh, the Blackhawks, right? I mean, Arizona is in a rebuild, although right now they're a wild card team, but it's still early. St. Louis looks like they're in a bit of a rebuild, too. Uh, and, of course, Winnipeg seems to be in a bit of a state of flux, although I think better than the teams that I just mentioned. So Colorado and Dallas, I think, are in another stratosphere, but can you get to a point where you can compete with the Winnipegs of the world, the Arizonas of the world, the Nashvilles of the world, the Minnesota Wild of the world? And the answer is sooner than later, yes. There's been a lot going on there. I think you got the right coach in Luke Richardson. Connor Bedard is going to grow into becoming an absolute superstar in this league. I know it's hard to ask people to stay patient when they've had to wait as long as they have, but I just think that just that's the that's the way of the world right now. Unfortunately, uh, it's going to take some time. You're probably it's not going to happen this year. Maybe next year take some strides. Couple of years now, you're a playoff team, and then then cup. It's going to take uh, it's going to take a long time to finally get uh, to that point. But who knows? Things happen. If Connor Bedard turns out to be the next Sidney Crosby and, you, and then it's a attractive place to go play, you don't have to twist anybody's arm to go play in Chicago, then I guess it can happen sooner than later. John Gross going to close it out. He says, who is a team that has gotten off to a hot start who you think will fall back to earth and conversely, who's a team that's gotten off to a slow start that you think will turn it around soon? Well, that's a great question. Um, so you look at the teams that have gotten off to a really slow start. Um, Buffalo, uh, I think, is going to be better. Uh, you're starting to see it's coming around and it's going to get better. Um, Seattle, I think, is better than being the 26th team in the National Hockey League. Edmonton's got talent. I, I think they'll be better. They're two two six and one start. Maybe they now that they got McDavid back, the win in the Heritage Classic. I Edmonton is the team to me that's off to a slow start that I'm gonna believe is going to be better. Now, I think they can put themselves in a position where they've got no shot to win the division and might have to settle for a wild card. Um, but that's a team that's gonna be that's gonna be much better. As far as a team that's gonna fall off, I mean logically you would think the Detroit Red Wings, 6-3-1, fifth best record in the National Hockey League, they're not going to be able to sustain that. But I do think they're good enough to still make the playoffs, but I think they can fall back. Montreal, off to a very good start, 5-2-2, two, and two, at least for them a very good start, in the top 10 in the league. That's a team that I think can take a bit of a, st- uh, a, a tick back. Another team off to a bit of a sluggish start that you know is going to be there in the end is Tampa, 4-2-3, and three, but they're going to get Vasilevsky back, and they're going to be fine too. So just a quick answer to your question. And Anaheim. Uh, I think Anaheim is going to be better than they were last year, but are they going to be a playoff team this year? They're certainly playing like it, especially if they're going to get the, the, um, 
the production that they're getting for Toronto. Carlson's been good for them as well. But that could be a team that might be able to fall off as the season goes on. But it is very, very early. But it is November, so we got a month in our rearview mirror. Most teams have played. I'm just taking a quick glance. I guess the team that's played the least amount of games is St. Louis with seven. The most games played in the National Hockey League are ten. So it's still a very, very small sample size. But still uh, pretty good to get it started and a little bit to sink your teeth into. All right. Had a lot of fun today. Back again on Friday. I think now, I think we're deep enough in the season. It'll be November that we can have a top five for the week. So I think we will have our first top five of the week coming up on Friday. Want to get in touch with me at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. Thanks to Anthony Pusick. We'll talk to you again on Friday. This was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.